With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Freedom! So much of this crap on here, I don't even know. There we go. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. This is what I call freedom. No one to put you out free. Oh, I'm free. 
This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, thank you very much. Welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. Um uh i hope everything is going going great if i can say it going great wherever you are in the world and th- thanks for tuning in to the george wilder jr show once again america has been hit with terror if you haven't heard already i'm pretty sure majority of the people have heard about what just a, a few hours ago from this day a few hours ago that has taken place in new york Eight people were killed and numerous others wounded in New York, okay, as I've said. Uh, when a suspect rammed a pickup truck into pedestrians in lower Manhattan and collided with a and collided into a or with a school bus uh and, and they're calling it an act of terror. I would too. I would too because because I think this this guy, this terrorist, they say he's 29 years old, okay? He's from Afghanistan or some kind of stand <laughs> in the Middle East, obviously a Muslim. Uh, uh, he jumped from the truck after he mowed these people down, running up and down the street, um, uh, screaming out racist rants, praising some god or some leader, you know? And uh, I'm pretty sure um, some terrorists, some terrorist group in uh, Afghanistan is going to uh, claim victory. Obviously, he was um, what they call, uh, I can't think of it right now, but he was radicalized. Yeah, that's it, <laughs> radicalized in the United States and doing the job of his uh, Islamic brothers over in um, the Middle East. And uh, the suspect exited his rental vehicle. He rented a vehicle. He rented Okay, and uh, holding up two fake guns. I think one was a BB gun and another one was a uh, paint gun. Okay, all right. Before a shot by a police had taken taken him down, and now he's in custody. The guy's still still alive. I'm hearing he was shot in the abdomen. In other words, they shot him in the stomach, and he's in custody now. He's 29 years old. He's Islamic. I'm thinking he's a I'm thinking he's an American citizen, okay? And um, obviously he was radicalized, uh, born born a Muslim, you know. But we're going to get more information about this as it goes on because the authorities, uh, these guys, in, in uh, the governor, the commissioner, and the mayor, they're still trying to piece this thing together. But this guy is alive. It's very seldom when these when people commit attacks like this like this. Um, I guess he didn't have a chance to uh, shoot himself or kill himself or take his own life because he had two fake guns, a paint gun and a pellet gun. So, it, but however, a pellet gun can do pretty good, pretty damage if you stick it up to, if you put it up to your your head. Um, I think you can get some penetration. But I don't think it's enough to actually kill you. Anyway, unless you decide you want to bleed to death. 
whatever. Anyway, getting back to eight people were killed. Eight people were killed and uh, numerous injured. And I agree with some of the news outlets. I think terrorists and a lot of these killers out here, these thugs, they're now using vehicles as their weapons to kill people. I remember years ago, I wrote a book. And one of the antagonists in the book was a, a, a woman who used her car to go around to kill people. And that was years ago. I mean, I had no idea that it would come to fruition. And uh, uh, it, 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 it's, it's crazy, but anybody can go out and rent a truck, rent a car, and decide that, and, and they're pissed off at the world and want to kill people and go somewhere where uh, uh, hundreds, uh, numerous people, hundreds, thousands of people accumulate, like uh, parks and festivals and shopping uh, malls and, and downtown areas where there is cluster, where there is a cluster of people and just ram them, ram and just run over people. It, it's crazy. Uh, I keep talking about making the world a better place, but goddamn people, this, <laughs> this is just getting out of hand. Before, before all of this happened, we were into this mess with Trump, this, investigation with Trump and now we have something else and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure in some ways I don't want to uh be nasty about this but in some ways I'm pretty sure the Trump administration is glad for this diversion see this is a diversion taking our minds off of his mess and putting it on this terror in um New York City and and it's still, I mean, they're still talking about it. It's all over the place. They're saying that loved ones mourn the first deaths from the terror-linked attack, attack in New York since, you know, uh, September 9-11. So this is reminding a lot of people of that because you still got a lot of people who, are, 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 who have survived that. And they're, they're looking at this and saying, wow, not again. It was also the city's first such incident since since a pipe bomb explosion in September 2016 in Chelsea, you know, you know, lightly wounding 31 people. An American Afghanistan descent uh, was convicted of terrorism over that attack earlier that month, earlier this month, I'm sorry. The city, which has frequently been on high security alert since 2001, Al-Qaeda attacks on the Twin Towers. Wow, I remember that is America's financial and entertainment capital with a population of 8.5 million people. Okay, President Donald Trump declined, decried, I'm sorry, he, <laughs> every time I read something, every time I'm mentioning something about Trump, it's, it's always a tongue twister. But anyway, he did respond to this, and he decried that the 29-year-old attacker whose name and nationality has not been revealed. As of now, I, I, I actually think the name has been revealed. They know his name. You know, they know who he is. Um, but Trump called him a very sick and a very deranged person, of course. Everybody in the world is calling him that. So, you know, I mean, Trump, please uh, try to be a little creative. <laughs> we all know he's deranged and crazy. But but everybody, like I said, everybody in the world knows that. So Trump should try to be a little more, bit more creative, but he can't. He can't. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And the, the, the main thing that's going on in the world today is people are talking about this 
uh, terrorist attack that occurred actually today. You know, they're saying Tuesday. Um, yeah, it is Tuesday, and uh, it, it's it, it's just unreal at what the the damage that is being uh, done to America and the world. Uh, but we're going to still keep saying making the world a better place because that's what we want to do is make the world a better place. If the world seems like we, it just, uh, if it seems like a hopeless case, don't, <laughs> yeah, it does sometimes, but we're going to keep, we're going to hang in there stay positive, stay driven, stay ambitious and uh, love our country. And we're going to try and make our country a, a great place uh, uh, to live and especially for our children. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We will be right back. We're going to do this. Welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, broadcasting live out of Chicago, and we are helping to make the world a better place, one show at a time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for finding the show, downloading the show, and just having a great time. Here we go. Once again, we're talking about the terror in New York City. I'm pretty sure a lot of people around the around the United States of America, we're just as somber, somber, and we are just as sick of this. We are tired of it. You know, we're tired of it. But I'm hearing that 
there is not much law enforcement can do when it comes to trying to regulate how people drive, you know. Um, I mean, they can uh, put a stop to gun sales, but, you know, uh, but cars? I mean, anybody can go out and rent a car or a truck and ram in, uh, ram into a crowd uh, of a thousand people killing people. Then, they, you know, all of a sudden they shoot themselves. But this guy is alive. So they, they do have a name for him. And uh, we haven't got it yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that they do have the name. And they're going to be doing a lot of um, – uh, it's going to be a lot of investigations going on. Uh, they're going to really get to the bottom of this. I mean, this guy – I'm pretty sure doctors are feverishly working to keep this guy alive so the police can get as much information out of this person as they can uh, and find out, you know, what exactly went on. What was his motive? Well, we know his motive. His motive was hate. I mean, <laughs> that's what that's his motive. I mean, that could have been that could have been me. That could have been you. That could have been your your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your friends. That could have been that crowd of people could have been anybody. Could have been any one of us. The killer didn't care. He didn't know. He just wanted to kill people. He just wanted to hurt people. And and that's what I've been saying for a while now. Is when you step outside, whether you go into the car or you're going to the corner store, or school, or work. There's no guarantee of any of us, any of us getting back home alive. I mean, all of those those people, those eight people who were killed in New York City uh, because of this terror attack on Tuesday. I mean, those eight those those eight people. Uh, this current terrorist attack, you, you just feel for their families. You know, you you feel for their families. That's eight funerals. And what about the people who have been injured and hurt? You know, I mean, the death count could go up. Right now it sits at eight. And my heart goes out to uh, the George Wilder Jr. show, goes out to the families, the condolences of of everybody in New York who were involved in this cowardly incident. It's It, it was done by a coward. That's all. Uh, that's all that. That that's the kind of people who do things like this, cowards, total cowards. Okay, and uh, oh, I want to mention that my guest today is author Amanda Adams. She was she was supposed to be on the show last week or the week before, and somehow she didn't. Uh, it didn't work out. So um, I asked her. Well, she actually asked me if she could reschedule, and I told her she could. So. You know, hopefully she'll make it this time. All right. All right. Amanda Adams on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Okay, let's get back to the um, the terror in New York City. I mean, it could happen anywhere to anybody at any time. Um, the current political climate, I mean, it it's ripe. In this current political climate, anything is ripe. You know what I mean? People can, you know, you know, do things to you where you're walking down the street, you're going to school or you're going to work, you're going to the corner store, you're getting in your car. You you just have to be vigilant when you go out. That's that's all it is. You got to be vigilant, especially if you are um, in a crowd of people. It seems like the terrorists and the thugs and the murderers, uh, you know, 
are uh, after people in crowds. And uh, it, it's awful. But you know what? But you know you can't be afraid. You can't stay in the house. You can't let the bad guys win, as the mayor and governor were saying of New York. You can't do this. You know we can't do this. You know we have to go on about our day and do what we have to do. We have errands to run. We have business appointments. We have doctor's appointments. We have to go to the grocery store every now and then, or do a little shopping. Uh, we cannot scare us to death. We want to go to the park and take our children to the playground and play and, and you know, be, be with friends and family out among nature, things like that. You, you know, you, you can't be hidden because of this. You know, you can't be. But you have to be, once you're out there, there's no doubt about it, you just have to be vigilant. You have to... Uh, pay close attention to your surroundings. I mean, uh, there's no doubt about that. No matter where you are, you have to pay really, really close attention. I mean, when you're walking down the street, you don't know who the hell is walking beside you or walking uh, behind you. You have to be vigilant. You have to be... uh, And what gets me is a lot of people, especially young people, a lot of people... When they're walking up and down the street, <laughs> their faces are down into their phones. I mean, these people are walking across the street and not paying attention to where they're going, and their faces are down in their phones, walking across the street. And if you look at them looking at their phones, they're going to give you a little nasty look, you know. <laughs> uh yeah, uh, people, they don't pay attention to where they're going. They don't look where they're going. Their faces are down on their phone, and that's wrong. That's vulnerable. Someone could come up behind you, hit you in the head, and take your phone if you don't. You have to pay attention to your surroundings because if the bad guy, if the bad guy see, see that you are paying attention to your surroundings, they may not even uh, attempt to try, to try to bother you or cost you or molest you because you're paying attention. You are alert. But if they see that you're not alert, that you're not paying attention, you, your face is in your phone while you're walking across the street, uh, you're easy pickings for them, and they're going to come after you. You have to pay attention to your surroundings. You have to be alert every time you walk out that door, or you may not come back. This world is just totally unpredictable. Racism is all over the place. People, people are not bashful about telling you that they don't like you because of your color. You got terrorism all over the place. I mean, if you're in a crowd of people, you, you have to watch out what you're doing because there's times, I mean, you could be walking down the street. You don't know who's carrying a gun, who's carrying a knife, who's carrying mace. You don't know anything like that. You have to be vigilant. You don't know who wants to hurt you. You don't know. Somebody may be watching you as you go to the ATM machine to get out money and then follow you on down the street and bash your head in, take your money. You have to, you just have to be vigilant, folks. And this is coming from the George Wilder Jr. Show, all right? All right, you can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me, uh, not literally, okay? (laughs) Follow me right here uh, on, um, I forget where I am, Black Talk Radio. Maybe that's a senior moment, you think? Okay. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We'll be right back. We're going to do this. 
Hey there, friends and fans. This is George Wilder Jr. of the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, the website is www.amazon.com slash author slash gwilder or, or go to the Amazon website and type my name in the text bar above to either order or download a book, a story, essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. There's always more to come. All right. Thank you, everybody. There is. All right. You're on the George Wilder Jr. show. Go right ahead. Hi, how are you? This is Amanda Adams. Ah, Amanda Adams, great! Thank you for doing your show. Thanks. I'm you were uh, uh, was supposed to be on before, and somehow it just slipped your mind. And uh, we're glad to have you. <laughs> we Thank are. You. I appreciate the second chance. <laughs> Everybody deserves a second chance. Sometimes three times, maybe. Right, anyway, tell <laughs> tell my audience what uh, give <laughs> give my audience uh, a little bit of your bio and uh, uh, stuff like that. Let us tell us a little bit something about you. Okay, well, I am an author, and um, mm-hmm. I am originally from Michigan, but grew up in New York, and um, spent many years there, went to college there, and decided that I wanted to do some writing, and uh, so I've written a novel, my first novel called The Sangrita Club, and it okay. is... Um, it is a novel uh, about four women who live in New York City. Um, and I just want to pause for a moment and say that our hearts and prayers go out for those who are affected by uh, the incident in New York City today. Um, just um, exactly. heart-wrenching. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting because where my story takes place is in the area where this particular incident took place today. Uh, these yeah. women are corporate executives, and um, it explores their personal lives as well as their per- their their corporate lives as executive women. And uh, you know, being in their positions, it's a very male-dominated uh, type of uh, environment. And you know, with everything going on in the news lately about sexual harassment, my book kind of falls into um, talking about a lot of taboo topics uh, about issues that women face, uh, but we don't talk about. We hide and we keep to ourselves, but unfortunately, 
when you have secrets, they come back to haunt you. And this book really explores the secrets of these four women. And what makes this book unique is that these four women form this sisterhood called the Sangrita Club, and they're all different ethnicities. So it explores a lot of cultural issues as well as uh, issues in personal relationships uh, with uh, husbands and boyfriends and parents and siblings and children and uh, a host of things. Oh, okay. Uh, you say four women. Um, does either one of these four women embody any characteristics of yourself? <laughs> well, you know, I think um, my characteristics are sprinkled and woven throughout all four of these women. Um, mm -hmm. I can't say that I identify with any particular woman. Um, it is a okay. work of fiction. However, okay. there are little things um, throughout the storylines that um, may reflect some of my previous experiences or perhaps experiences of uh, friends or family, coworkers, and things like that. All right, what made you want to write this book? You're trying to reach uh, women to say, hey, wow, we can do this. Uh, even if we're in a male-dominant environment, we can still be uh, uh, successful or great or, or something well, to that effect? I, I, yeah, I spent 25 years as a corporate executive in New York, and mm -hmm. so I wanted to write from my own experiences. Um, okay. I... I when, when I talk to people about writing, I, I tell them, you know, write from your own experiences, write from your passions, and also write from your issues. And one of the things that started me writing was that I was going to counseling to deal with some of those secrets from the past that were coming back to haunt me, and I was told by my counselor to start journaling. And so I started journaling, and I started, uh, you know, thinking about writing. And, you know, I I took a look at the women around me, um, whether it's girlfriends or, you know, um, mothers and grandmothers and aunts. And, you know, I, I realized that a, a lot of times women are in places that they don't necessarily want to be. Uh, they're, they are there out of commitment. Um, they're in places that peop, other people want them to be. Um, they're doing things that other people want them to do. And, you know, as mothers and as wives and um, significant others, a lot of times, we are busy helping others fulfill their dreams and aspirations, and we put our own on the back burner. And so I wanted to write something that would inspire women to really take a look at who they are currently, really think about who it is that they really want to be, and develop a an escape plan to transition from where they are to where they really need to be. And so that's what this book is about. And it's also about 
taking a look at circumstances that we find ourselves in that aren't good for us, that aren't good for our health mentally or physically, and, you know, coming to the realization that we need to make some changes in our lives. Sometimes those changes need to be made in order to save our lives. And so this book, for me, I wrote it for women because I wanted them to use it as a mirror, to be able to see themselves, to see where they are, to see what they can really achieve, to help them learn to dream their own dreams for themselves versus trying to fulfill someone else's dream for them. And, you know, do what it takes and be empowered and realize that the the strength and the dignity and the impetus and everything that they need to be what it is that they want to be, it's inside, and they just need to tap into it and act on it. All right, that sounded great. Um, so the, the four women, the four characters in this book, so you would say basically the four characters in this book embodies every woman out here? Every woman will be able to find themselves in this book. Now, these women yeah. are at different places in their lives. Some are married, some uh-huh. are single, yeah. some are wid- yeah. widowed as well. Um, uh-huh. Some are a little bit older, some are a little bit younger. Um, I have uh-huh. grandmothers. I have a whole host of characters in this book. And there are many, many strong male characters in this mm-hmm. book as well. So mm-hmm. anyone who picks this book up will be able to find themselves, no matter what their age or ethnicity or where they come from or what their uh, educational background is or experiences. You know what? I, I got to go pick this book up because I truly need to find myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I want to say happy Halloween. <laughs> Thank you. You as well. You as no, well. no problem. Do you have the book with you? Can you read us a short excerpt? Sure. Um, what okay. I'd like to do is read the dedication. Okay, um, great. I think it's probably the most important part of the book even though it doesn't reference the characters, but I wrote this book for women. I didn't write it for the women in the book. Um, And let me just read this to you. It says, For all of the women who have ever been told any of the following, you can't do that. You'll never be anything but a fill-in-the-blank. You ain't nothing without me. You ought to be glad I'm with you. You can't do it alone. If you leave, I will kill you. You'll never be anything except what you are right now. And for all of the women who, after reading this book, can say to themselves any of the following, if I stay, I will never get the chance to live. I can do whatever it is that I desire. I can be whatever it is that I want to be. I am whole. I am worthy. As long as God is with me, I'm never alone. What I do and who I am right now 
is just the beginning. Wow, I think this book is very powerful. And I th- I, seriously, I think it's very powerful, and I think it's a very, very uh, would be very helpful to a lot of people. And I think everybody out there listening at the sound of my voice should go out and get this book. It's, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I, by what I was just hearing, I do think it is for just about every woman, because some yeah. of the things that you described in the book, uh, you just got through uh, reading. I mean, a lot of the women go through. I mean, they're living with uh, domestic violence. They're they're living with uh, guys who threaten them if they try to leave or or belittle them mm-hmm. if they try to better themselves. You know. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And there, and it's going on yeah. right now. The sound of our voices. You know. Go right ahead. It is. There are so many topics in this book that are addressed, from racism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. social exclusion to sexual assault yeah. and sexual harassment, rejection, yeah. abandonment, health issues, financial imprisonment, emotional abuse. The the list just goes on yeah. and on. It's all yeah. in there. It's all in yeah. there. Amanda, how do, how is the book doing so far? It's doing pretty well. I actually um, mm-hmm. am going to Atlanta uh, next weekend, I believe, and I'm going to be uh, attending three events where I'll be promoting my book. And, um, you know, the word is getting out there from coast to coast, and, you know, people are enjoying it. They're, once they pick it up, they can't put it down. I've had friends in New York City who say, I missed my stop on the train because I was so engrossed in it. <laughs> and, you know, they're laughing out loud, you know. And so um, it's, wow. it's really doing well. And I think that people will really enjoy it. And when I okay. wrote it, I wrote it with intention of it being a movie. So there's a lot of information about New York City, and it it also goes to China as well. Um, I did a lot of research on this book, and there's a lot of information about fashion and music and art. Um, You name it, it's in there. So I'm really excited. In fact, um, one of the designers, uh, Ralph Lauren, uh, her a bag that he created for his wife is featured in the book. It's called a Ricky bag, and his wow. wife's name is Ricky. Mm-hmm. She actually mm-hmm. requested a signed copy of my book, so I'm really excited about that. You know, Amanda, every time I write, I'm, I'm always thinking that it's going to wind up being a movie, but it doesn't, And but I keep writing. <laughs> I keep writing. <laughs> Are you going to continue to write? Are you going to continue to write uh, books like this? Absolutely. I have been asked by my publisher to write a sequel, Mm -hmm. so I will be um, writing that. I've started gathering information about where I want the characters Mm -hmm. to go next, and... um, Mm But in the meantime, I am going to be publishing a new book. Uh, It's due out in 2018, and it's called Men. Can't live with them. Can't live with them. Oh, well, I've got to book you on this show for that because I'm <laughs> I want to I want to know what that's going to be about because I'm a man <laughs> right right it's not but, a you novel know, it, it, oh. it, it's more of an anecdotal um, type of uh, adventure so 
Will it be um, fiction just like be, just like No, it's it's it'll be not it'll be uh non fiction. So oh, they're gonna be real life wow. examples and and mm-hmm. so I'll be talking about, you know, not only my perspectives but perspectives of many people. So Wow. I think it'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting because I do know that the George Wilder Jr. show will be picking up your book. And I want everybody out there at the sound of my voice to go get this book. And uh, Amanda, you're going to tell us where we can go get it and where we can uh, find it. And you're going to give us a website. Okay. It is available on Amazon.com and Uh BarnesandNoble.com. Or if you'd like a signed copy, you can go to my website booksbyamandaadams.com and mm-hmm. you can send me a note and contact me and I will make arrangements to send out a signed copy. Wow, that sounds great. That sounds beautiful. Yes. And I, yeah, great. <laughs> I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, it was well worth the wait, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. I again, yeah, yeah. I truly appreciate the second chance, and I'm yeah, no problem. No glad problem. that I didn't disappoint. <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't. So you let us know when the other book comes out, okay? I will. I will. And in the meantime, All right. I'll pick up a copy of the Sangrita Club. And by the way, Sangrita is the name of a cocktail I created. There's a recipe for it in the book. Okay, no problem. We're going to go check that out as soon as the show is over, and we'll probably pick All up right. a copy. Uh, do you have right, any reviews you. on it? Do you have any reviews on it? How many reviews do you have, do you think? Uh, I have several reviews on on okay. uh, Barnes & Noble and on Amazon.com. Um, okay. There are a couple so, of reviews that I have listed on the back of the book, and okay. uh, one from New York. It says, you won't be able to put put this book down until you've savored the very last drop of Sangrita. <laughs> and the reason why I asked you, did I, you oh, the reason why I asked you, did you have any reviews? Because as soon as we pick up the book, I pick up the book, I was going to, once I read it, I was going to give it a review on Amazon. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Author Amanda Adams on the George Wilder Jr. Show. All right. Thanks for doing this show. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. I appreciate your time. Bye-bye. Bye. All righty. Amanda uh, Adams on the George Wilder Jr. Show. We'll be right back. Hang in there, everybody.
Donald Trump going on insane Twitter rants is nothing that we're not used to as a country at this point. But on Friday, when it was announced that sealed indictments had been delivered in the Bob Mueller special prosecutor probe, Donald Trump went off the deep end and decided to start tweeting out absolute nonsense to his millions of followers here in the United States. And he did it all as a distraction method to try to make the public forget about the fact that some of his buddies would be going to prison on Monday, or at least uh, not going to prison, but being arrested on Monday. So Donald Trump starts tweeting out stuff about how Obamacare is failing and the Democrats owned this, even though he has literally admitted to sabotaging the program and that's why things are starting to get bad with it. Uh, Prior to that, things were actually going quite well with it. He's talking about Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and some kind of crazy uranium deal as if that's anything that anyone cares about or anything that could potentially be skewed as illegal. And he's still out there talking about the Fusion GPS dossier funding, again, saying that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, I guess, should be in jail for funding opposition research, which is literally something that every single campaign does. And as long as they hired a foreign company, uh, a, a domestic company, excuse me, which they did, there's nothing illegal or even unethical about any of that. But Donald Trump in the last week or so, obviously sensing that something was happening within this investigation, has started to sound a lot more desperate and to be quite honest, a lot more guilty. He is constantly talking about Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton. That is his distraction. Fox News is doing the same thing in the last week. All they've done is talk about Hillary Clinton. With the exception of Fox and Friends Monday morning after the indictments came out, They were literally talking about Halloween candy for a good 30 minutes instead of actually talking about the real news. Nonetheless, Hillary Clinton has become a massive distraction effort by the Republican Party because that is the only enemy that they still have to run against. So at this point, any Democrat who's out there still praising Hillary Clinton, still bringing her up and making her news is helping the Trump administration. They're helping by showing that, look, Democrats still care about Hillary, so we need to keep attacking her. See them? They're going to run her again in 2020. Democrats are causing as much damage to their own brand right now as Republicans are trying to inflict, and they don't even understand that they're feeding into it. Trump is going to use whatever he can to try to distract the American public from the fact that members of his campaign went to jail today. Hillary Clinton was not involved in that. Hillary Clinton needs to go away and disappear. And she's not even the one bringing herself up at this point. It's Donald Trump and the establishment Democrats. The rest of us are trying to focus on what the hell is happening in this country day to day. And now you've put me in the unfortunate position of having to come out and actually defend Hillary Clinton, which is actually starting to just piss me off even more. Hillary Clinton doesn't matter. Hillary Clinton hasn't done anything illegal. She's not running for president again in 2020. It's done. It's buried. It's over. Move on. Members of the Trump administration committed crimes. And one of those alleged crimes is conspiracy against the United States. That's what we should be talking about. Don't fall for (laughs) making the world a better place. (laughs) One show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. (laughs) All right. 
All right. Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And I want to reiterate what I've uh, started talking about at the beginning of the show. Uh, my heart goes out to all of those uh, people affected uh, in New York City today. Um, uh, this terrorist attack, they're calling it terror. So we're going to call it terror also. And uh, it's it just... Um, it, it's awful. It is awful. It is awful. As I was alluding to and saying that the terrorists have they've found a new weapon of choice, uh, and it's a it's a vehicle. You know, it's a vehicle. I mean, this is as you probably know, this isn't the first time this kind of a thing happened. This has happened several times in the past, and it, it's just awful. And um, eight people lost their lives. As I know of right now, it, it could climb. It could climb by tomorrow or by the next hour. It could climb. Uh, it, it's very, very sad. And the George Wilder Jr. Show is sending uh, condolences uh, to New York and to the people of New York. And um, we're sending prayers also. And... Um, because it, this is just ridiculous. It, it really is ridiculous for for this to happen. As I've said before, we have to be vigilant when we go out. You know, we people are out there to harm us. People are out there to hurt us, and they show no remorse. They want to hurt us. They want to see us dead. They want to see us dead. You know, and uh, we don't want to be dead. We 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 want our lives. We don't want to die. But there's people out there who want to kill us. And uh, I've said this several times. When you go out, be vigilant. Uh, Look where you're going. Put down your cell phone. Put down that phone. Put down that cell phone. Um, And look where you're going. Pay attention to your surroundings. You know, (laughs) I've said it a thousand times. And I, I can go out right now. This very minute, and I'll see people walking up and down the street, crossing the streets with their face down into their phones. I can't tell you how many times people uh, the, people have uh, almost ran or walked into me, actually walked into me, uh, looking down at their phones, not paying attention to where they're going, you know. And then they still don't look up. <laughs> you know, if they look up, they look up for less than a half a second, and their phones, their heads are back down in their phones. And, you know, so basically they're saying, well, this is my phone. I can look at it when I want. And what do you think people are gazing at when they're when they have their heads all the way buried down into their phones? Probably Facebook, you know, raunchy pictures or something or other. <laughs> uh, you think they're looking at anything educational? Nah. You think they're reading a book or a Kindle book? Nah. No, that can't be it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Um, Donald Trump. Um, I can tell you this. Facebook is no friend of Donald Trump. People on Facebook, <laughs> friends on Facebook, uh, people on Facebook, you know, and rightfully so, you know, rightfully so, I, I think. And... 
Yeah, rightfully so. I mean, people are really, really pissed off. I mean, I was when when Paul Manafort and his his uh, cohort, these two people, were went to jail. And I'm hearing right now that Paul Manafort, he's under house arrest. But I, I'm hearing right now that the guy is a flight risk being under house arrest, meaning he could he could leave the country, you know. And this is what I heard that that he's uh, he may be a flight risk, and this came from a, a a reputable news source. And I wouldn't fake this show. My show is not about fake news. I don't want anybody on my show giving out fake news. But uh, we have to see what um, what becomes of that. And if he's a f- flight risk, they're going to lock him up. They're going to actually put him in jail instead of under house arrest. Um, yeah, this is what I've been hearing. But uh, uh, but the terrorist attack in in New York has overshadowed some of that. Not totally, some of it. And this 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 guy who uh, um, perpetrated this attack in New York. He is seen on video running around in the streets. You know, he, he he's seen on video running out in the streets. He has a two guns. They say it's a one's a pellet and the other one's is a um, is a um, paint gun. You know, and at least eight people killed, multiple people injured in in this attack. And uh, eight people are dead and at least 11 people are injured after a truck mowed down pedestrians and cyclists, cyclists, okay, and rammed into a school bus in Lower Manhattan uh, on Tuesday afternoon. And there is a name. Uh, The suspect, he's 29 years old, uh, Seifula, oh, well. There's something here I can't pronounce. Only thing I can try to pronounce, break it up into syllables and say Seifula, his first name. Obviously, this name is, ha- I'm not going to even try to pronounce it. It's got about 26 characters in it, 26 um, letters. So I'm not going to even try to pronounce it. It starts with an H. Last name is Salvo, Salpov. Okay. Uh, Seifula, Salpov is in police custody. It's it's a Muslim name or some, it's not an American name, but, um, you know, um, he's 29 years old. He's in police custody. They have him. Uh, obviously, uh, when he was shot, it did not kill him. He was shot by an off-duty police officer. Okay, uh, New York City Mayor Bill Bazazio called the incident an act of terror. At least eight people were killed, 11 people injured, as I've said. Uh, according to police, the driver went down the wrong way of a bike path on west on the west side of on the west side highway, hitting pedestrians and cyclists. He then rammed into a high school bus. School bus injuring two adults and two children. One of the children is in critical condition. Wow, this is something. And this is something. I'm pretty sure they're going to stay on the case. They are really going to stay on this. They have to stay on this um, and get to the bottom of this. There is no doubt about that. 
trying to get this point made over and over again. This, they're not protesting the flag. They're not protesting the anthem. No, no. Trying to get this point made over and over again. This, they're not protesting the flag. They're not protesting the anthem. No, no, no athlete has ever said one bad thing about a soldier. They're concerned about the neighborhoods they left behind where there's still so much injustice and poverty. And the conservatives are missing a golden opportunity to say what? I, I don't like the style of your protest. Trump is the most dishonorable and despicable human being to ever serve in the office of the presidency. Congresswoman Maxine Waters was honored Saturday at the Women's Convention in Detroit, an event dubbed Reclaiming Our Time after the Congresswoman's famous moment in a hearing this July. And Congresswoman Maxine Waters joins me now for your moment of Maxine. We <laughs> missed you, Congresswoman. And first of all, uh, how was the convention? The convention was spectacular. Joy, I think there were over 4,000 women there. It was packed. And the energy was all over the place. Women really showing their power, uh, talking about how uh, we should move forward with a future for women that... Um, shows women with respect and dignity and it was wonderful well i i suspect a lot of those thousands were there all right welcome back democratic mega donor and billionaire environmentalist tom steyer is known for spending millions of his own dollars on democratic campaigns well now the party's single biggest donor is spending again only this time his money is going to a national tv ad campaign calling for president trump's impeachment take a look Republican Congress once impeached a president for far less. Yet today, people in Congress and his own administration know that this president is a clear and present danger, who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. Tom Steyer is a retired former hedge fund founder and manager who poured $91 million of his own money into Democratic campaigns just last year alone, and he's joining us now live. Good to see you, Tom. Hey, Frederica, how are you? I'm good. So this ad campaign, according to one of your aides, cost more than $10 million. And given the Republican-controlled Congress, you know, why do you feel that this is money well spent? Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to give a voice to the American people because I think Democrats and Republicans alike know that this president is, in fact, a clear and present danger to their health and safety. And so we're trying to give them a chance to go to their representatives and make this case because that's the, the American people still, their voice is the most powerful thing in our country. And if they speak up, then elected officials have to listen. But on no, what don't. grounds do you believe Trump should be impeached? Because it has to be more than a belief of clear and present danger or right. access to nuclear weapons. He has violated his trust to the Constitution and to the American people. By firing James Comey, he clearly obstructed justice. That is the historical basis for impeaching a president. He has been, the emoluments clause has been um, broken. The fact of the matter is he has clearly broken his trust with the Constitution. The reason that we're yeah. calling for it is that it's urgent that it happen now. The fact of the matter is he is putting us at risk on a daily basis. And he has, you can go to legal scholars, he has clearly met the standard for impeachment, but we have to have it. And so that's why we're going to the American people and asking them to raise their voices and say, we need a change. Uh, but, but there are parameters in which the, the president does have the authority to hire and fire the FBI director. Yes, but obstructing justice is not one of them. 
The fact of the matter is, if you look at the historical impeachments, they were all based around obstructing justice mm. at much lower levels or equivalent levels to what he's already done publicly. Okay, well, looking into obstruction of justice among the many things that uh, congressional uh, investigations are looking into, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, also looking into it with his investigations. Why not wait until those investigations are complete? Because it is urgent. Because, in fact, we are giving this president a new parameter that he not only has to meet the old parameters for being impeached, now all of a sudden there's a much lower standard that he is allowed to do things that no one else has ever been allowed to do before. We should not be breaking the Constitution to keep in office a president who is putting at risk the safety and health of Americans on a daily basis. I don't understand why we're delaying. In fact, it's urgent right now that we act, and that's what we're asking the American people to stand up and speak for. So as the DNC, uh, Democratic National Committee, gathers for its fall meeting this uh, weekend among the concerns that the party lacks resources to win midterm elections, do you plan to put money into other 2018 campaigns? Well, what we really do, Frederica, is we're really a grassroots organization, which means is we make it possible for local groups to go door to door, to phone bank, to talk citizen to citizen about the issues of the day. That's what we did in 2016. And of course, we're going to keep doing that in 2017. We're already doing it in 2018. Our whole push is the old fashioned idea that American citizens talking to each other about the most important issues of the day is the way that we have a vibrant and just democracy. And we will continue doing that just the way we have for the last few years. So, so quickly, might this be a prelude to your own uh, potential campaign, an opinion piece in the L.A. Times this weekend suggesting that you may be trying to build your own political brand uh, with this campaign, that you may be eyeing Senate Dianne Feinstein's seat after saying you know, she will run for a fifth term? Oh, what's, what's the process? I have that? said that I am willing to do anything, including running for office, to push forward a positive agenda for California and for America. And that's true, I haven't taken that off the table. But this move for impeachment stands by itself. It is its own campaign because I think everyone in America knows this is true. All of those elected officials in DC, Republicans and Democrats, know it's true, but no one wants to say it. And what we're trying to do is say, we're willing to say it and we're asking the American people to say it because it's true, it's important, it's got to happen, and we got to give it a voice. All right. Tom Sayer, thanks so much. And thank you both. I'm here today to talk about a disturbing question, which has an equally disturbing answer. My topic is the secrets of domestic violence. And the question I'm going to tackle is the one question everyone always asks. Why does she stay? Why would anyone stay with a man who beats her? I'm not a psychiatrist, a social worker, or an expert in domestic violence. I'm just one woman with a story to tell. I was 22. I had just graduated from Harvard College. I'd moved to New York City for my first job as a writer and editor at Seventeen Magazine. I had my first apartment, my first little green American Express card, and I had a very big secret. My secret was 
that I had this gun loaded with hollow point bullets pointed at my head by the man who I thought was my soulmate many, many times. The man who I loved more than anybody on earth held a gun to my head and threatened to kill me more times than I can even remember. I'm here to tell you the story of crazy love, a psychological trap disguised as love, one that millions of women and even a few men fall into every year. It may even be your story. I don't look like a typical domestic violence survivor. I have a BA in English from Harvard College, an MBA in marketing from Wharton Business School. I spent most of my career working for Fortune 500 companies, including Johnson & Johnson, Leo Burnett, and The Washington Post. I've been married for almost 20 years to my second husband, and we have three kids together. My dog is a black lab, and I drive a Honda Odyssey minivan. <laughs> so my first message for you is that domestic violence happens to everyone. All races, all religions, all income and education levels. It's everywhere. And my second message is that everyone thinks domestic violence happens to women, that it's a women's issue. Not exactly. Over 85% of abusers are men. And domestic abuse happens only in intimate, interdependent, long-term relationships. In other words, in families. The last place we would want or expect to find violence. Which is one reason domestic abuse is so confusing. I would have told you myself that I was the last person on earth who would stay with a man who beats me. But in fact, I was a very typical victim because of my age. I was 22. And in the United States, women ages 16 to 24 are three times as likely to be domestic violence victims as women of other ages. And over 500 women and girls this age are killed every year by abusive partners, boyfriends and husbands in the United States. I was also a very typical victim because I knew nothing about domestic violence, its warning signs or its patterns. I met Connor on a cold, rainy January night. He sat next to me on the New York City subway and he started chatting me up. He told me two things. One was that he, too, had just graduated from an Ivy League school and that he worked at a very impressive Wall Street bank. But what made the biggest impression on me that first meeting was that he was smart and funny. And he looked like a farm boy. He had these big cheeks, these big apple cheeks and this wheat blonde hair, and he seemed so sweet. One of the smartest things Connor did from the very beginning was to create the illusion that I was the dominant partner in the relationship. He did this, especially at the beginning, by idolizing me. We started dating, and he loved everything about me. That I was smart, that I'd gone to Harvard, that I was passionate about helping teenage girls and my job. He wanted to know everything about my family and my childhood, my hopes and dreams. Connor believed in me as a writer and a woman in a way that no one else ever had. And he also created a magical atmosphere of trust between us by confessing his secret, which was that as a very young boy starting at age four, he had been savagely and repeatedly physically abused by his stepfather. And the abuse had gotten so bad that he had had to drop out of school in eighth grade, even though he was very smart. 
and he'd spent almost 20 years rebuilding his life, which is why that Ivy League degree and the Wall Street job and his bright, shiny future meant so much to him. If you had told me that this smart, funny, sensitive man who adored me would one day dictate whether or not I wore makeup, how short my skirts were, where I lived, what jobs I took, who my friends were, and where I spent Christmas, I would have laughed at you. Because there was not a hint of violence or control or anger in Connor at the beginning. I didn't know that the first stage in any domestic violence relationship is to seduce and charm the victim. I also didn't know that the second step is to isolate the victim. Now, Connor did not come home one day and announce, you know, hey, this, all this Romeo and Juliet stuff has been great, but I need to move into the next phase where I isolate you and I abuse you. <laughs> so I need to get you out of this apartment where the neighbors can hear you scream and out of this city where you have friends and family and coworkers who can see the bruises. Instead, Connor came home one Friday evening and he told me that he had quit his job that day, his dream job. And he said that he had quit his job because of me, because I had made him feel so safe and loved that he didn't need to prove himself on Wall Street anymore. And he just wanted to get out of the city and away from his abusive, dysfunctional family and move to a tiny town in New England where he could start his life over with me by his side. Now, the last thing I wanted to do was leave New York and my, my dream job. But I thought you made sacrifices for your soulmate. So I agreed, and I quit my job, and Connor and I left Manhattan together. I had no idea I was falling into crazy love, that I was walking headfirst into a carefully laid physical, financial, and psychological trap. The next step in the domestic violence pattern is to introduce the threat of violence and see how she reacts. And here's where those guns come in. As soon as we moved to New England, you know that place where Connor was supposed to feel so safe? He bought three guns. He kept one in the glove compartment of our car. He kept one under the pillows on our bed. And the third one he kept in his pocket at all times. And he said that he needed those guns because of the trauma he'd experienced as a young boy. He needed them to feel protected. But those guns were really a message for me. And even though he hadn't raised a hand to me, my life was already in grave danger every minute of every day. Connor first physically attacked me five days before our wedding. It was 7 a.m. I still had on my nightgown. I was working on my computer trying to finish a freelance writing assignment, and I got frustrated. And Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream. And he used the chokehold to hit my head repeatedly against the wall. Five days later, the ten bruises on my neck had just faded. And I put on my mother's wedding dress and I married him. Despite what had happened, I was sure we were going to live happily ever after. Because I loved him, and he loved me so much. 
And he was very, very sorry. He had just been really stressed out by the wedding and by becoming a family with me. It was an isolated incident and he was never going to hurt me again. It happened twice more on the honeymoon. The first time, I was driving to find a secret beach and I got lost. And he punched me in the side of my head so hard that the other side of my head repeatedly hit the driver's side window. And then a few days later, driving home from our honeymoon, he got frustrated by traffic and he threw a cold Big Mac in my face. Connor proceeded to beat me once or twice a week for the next two and a half years of our marriage. I was mistaken in thinking that I was unique and alone in this situation. One in three American women experiences domestic violence or stalking at some point in her life. And the CDC reports that 15 million children are abused every year. 15 million. So actually, I was in very good company. Back to my question. Why did I stay? The answer is easy. I didn't know he was abusing me. Even though he held those loaded guns to my head, pushed me downstairs, threatened to kill our dog, pulled the key out of the car ignition as I drove down the highway, poured coffee grinds on my head as I dressed for a job interview. I never once thought of myself as a battered wife. Instead, I was a very strong woman in love with a deeply troubled man, and I was the only person on earth who could help Connor face his demons. The other question everybody asks is, why doesn't she just leave? Why didn't I walk out? I could have left any time. To me, this is the saddest and most painful question that people ask. Because we victims know something you usually don't. It's incredibly dangerous to leave an abuser. Because the final step in the domestic violence pattern is kill her. Over 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has ended the relationship, after she's gotten out, because then the abuser has nothing left to lose. Other outcomes include long-term stalking, even after the abuser remarries, denial of financial resources, and manipulation of the family court system to terrify the victim and her children, who are regularly forced by family court judges to spend unsupervised time with the man who beat their mother. And still we ask, why doesn't she just leave? I was able to leave because of one final sadistic beating that broke through my denial. I realized that the man who I loved so much was going to kill me if I let him. So I broke the silence. I told everyone the police, my neighbors, my friends and family, total strangers. And I'm here today because you all helped me. We tend to stereotype victims as grisly headlines, self-destructive women, damaged goods. The question, why does she stay, is code for some people for it's her fault for staying. As if victims intentionally choose to fall in love with men intent upon destroying us. But since publishing Crazy Love, 
I have heard hundreds of stories from men and women who also got out, who learned an invaluable life lesson from what happened, and who rebuilt lives, joyous, happy lives, as employees, wives, and mothers, lives completely free of violence, like me. Because it turns out that I'm actually a very typical domestic violence victim and a typical domestic violence survivor. I remarried a kind and gentle man. We have those three kids. I have that black lab, and I have that minivan. What I will never have again, ever, is a loaded gun held to my head by someone who says that he loves me. Now, right now, maybe you're thinking, wow, this is fascinating. Or, wow, how stupid was she? But this whole time, I've actually been talking about you. I promise you, there are several people listening to me right now who are currently being abused, or who were abused as children, or who are abusers themselves. Abuse could be affecting your daughter, your sister, your best friend right now. I was able to end my own crazy love story by breaking the silence. I'm still breaking the silence today. It's my way of helping other victims. And it's my final request of you. Talk about what you heard here. Abuse thrives only in silence. You have the power to end domestic violence simply by shining a spotlight on it. We victims need everyone. We need every one of you to understand the secrets of domestic violence. Show abuse the light of day by talking about it with your children, your coworkers, your friends and family. Recast survivors as wonderful, lovable people with full futures. Recognize the early signs of violence and conscientiously intervene de-escalate it, show victims a safe way out. Together, we can make our beds, our dinner tables, and our families the safe and peaceful yeah. oases they should be. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All righty. Somebody's at the door. Come in. All right. House of Cards. House of Cards production suspended. Netflix suspends production on the final season in the wake of the Kevin Spacey allegations. Yeah, you might have heard about this. This is still, I think it's still aftermath from the Harvey Weinstein thing. You know, it's all about sexual assaulting people. You know, I could say women, I could say men, I could say children. Sexual assault is sexual assault. Doesn't matter. Uh, how old the victim is or what gender, you know, it, it happens. And and uh, Kevin Spacey is guilty of this. He said he, if he did something like that, he says he's sorry. It was 30 years ago. But a lot of people are blaming him for the timing uh, of this because he came out also after he was accused of sexual harassment, sexual assault, uh, he came out as gay. That was disappointing. <laughs> Uh, there was always rumors about him down through the years that he was gay. 
and I, I loved his movies. I I, lo- I even liked The House of Cards, but I didn't know the man was gay. I, I thought, I, I I didn't know. I knew, I, I actually didn't know. I, I thought maybe he was married, but uh, you know how sometimes you, your favorite television character, your favorite movie character, uh, they play family men, they play married, they play couples on television, all of a sudden you find out that your favorite character who plays a family man, a husband, a father on television, suddenly in real life, this person comes out as gay. And you're going, what, what, what? You know, that is the way it was with me when I heard that uh, when Kevin Spacey came out and said he was gay, you know. And um, that's it for me. I'm I'm (laughs) Not because he's gay, but because he chose to... uh, uh, come out as gay during these allegations. I mean, he could have came out came out as gay years ago uh, when there was no allegations, but he chose to come out. He's trying to mask his crime with being gay, and a lot of LGBT people feel the same way. You know, um, I'm sorry that he's gay because I thought he was straight. Okay, I, I thought he was a straight guy. I thought he was a straight shooter. Apparently not. You know, so, you know, and I kind of like some of the movies that he was in, even when he didn't star in a lot of movies. He was a character actor and uh, he he's a very good actor. I, I put him up there with the very best. But now he's his star has fallen. They have uh, yanked the uh, serum, uh, uh, award ceremony from him. So he's he's going down and 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 they have now suspended. Uh, House of Cards. House of Cards was going into his sixth uh, season of production. They stopped production. That means that a lot of the actors on that show will now be out of work, <clears throat> including including Kevin Spacey. But we all know that Kevin Spacey is a wealthy man, so it's not going to bother him too much. Uh, but uh, it doesn't matter how much money you got or how wealthy you are, you still want to get up and go to work every day. You still want to produce and, and uh, do do something. You don't want to sit around the house and get fat because that's what you're going to do if you have a lot of money and nothing to do. You know, so so that's 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 the case on Kevin Spacey. The House of Cards production suspended indefinitely. Indefinitely. And uh, Kevin Spacey has been brought down Maybe a few notches. I'm pretty sure he'll wind up back on his feet. You know, I mean, a talented actor as as such a talented actor as he, I mean, he he can't stay down. But you know, I'm done with Kevin Spacey. I don't. I I have a season of the House of Cards right here in my studio, and I'm wondering if I should shred it or. or but I, I probably will not shred it because it costs too much. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, House of Cards is ending Netflix. All right, Donald Trump dismisses campaign advisor as young, low-level volunteer. Of course, Donald Trump. He's always going to try and hit back at somebody who's coming after him. Okay. What we got here, Trump claims Trump clams up when asked if he's partnering Paul Manafort. That's the that's the $60,000 question, $60 million question. Um, is Will he pardon any of these crooks that were indicted? 
It's always that possibility, folks. This is Donald Trump. You never know what's going to come out of that skull of his. All right, Brian Cranston, you know, the guy who uh, starred in the uh, Breaking Bad series. He's saying everybody who <laughs> he tells every everybody who wants Donald Trump to fail to to fuck you. Yeah. But, you know, this guy is crazy because nobody wants Donald Trump to fail. Nobody wants him to fail. Donald Trump is failing on his own. He's doing all of this by himself. He's inflicting um, this on himself. He's making everybody think that he's guilty by his behavior and his actions. So actor Brian Cranston, you're wrong on this. If anything, F you. All right, we're just about <laughs> ready to close the show down for at least uh, for today, and I hope you guys join me tomorrow. And there will be more breaking stuff on the on the George Wilder Jr. show. I'm going to thank my guest, uh, Amanda Adams, for being such a gracious and um, wonderful guest, uh, wonderful author, and uh, thank her for what she is doing or and will do in the near future. And um, we're just about off the air. We got about four, three more minutes left into the show. It's been great. I've had I've had a great time, folks. I hope you join the George Wilder Jr. show tomorrow. We're going to talk about a whole lot more stuff. we got a guest tomorrow. Uh, I, <laughs> I've got to look and see who it is. <laughs> Sometimes even I don't know, and I'm the one who books them, right? All right.
seconds into the show. I want to thank my guests once again. I want to say, I want to give a shout out to all those folks in New York City that uh, our condolences from Chicagoans, you know, our condolences go out to those folks, um, hoping everything is uh, going to be okay. All right. And everything is being being investigated. Um, all right. I hope you guys join me tomorrow. Have a great evening, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.